ladies and gentlemen, this is According to Callus. This is episode 196, and today we're going to talk about strange bedfellows. <clears throat> In case you're not familiar, the phrase is actually politics makes strange bedfellows, and nothing could be more appropriate than the results from the Texas primary. Now, we've all had time to digest it and observe it and see what's going on. And there just seems to be a lot of, let's call them statistical anomalies. Now, far be it for me to cast dispersion of the great state of Texas and them not knowing how to write or run an election properly. But I got to say, there seems to be some really, really challenging results whether we look at the governor's race or the lieutenant governor's race. And no disrespect to Alan West, but I find it extremely difficult to believe that neither he nor the guy I believe probably should have gotten more votes than him. That would be Don Huffines, for those of you not keeping track. I don't believe either one of them was not able to beat the 20% mark at the very least. And whether Don or Alan would have had the higher total, I, I don't know. I suspect that Don outworked Alan and outspent him, certainly. But I don't believe anywhere on God's green earth that two-thirds of the voters were perfectly content to give our governor another term in office. I just don't buy it. And while we're at it, the lieutenant governor's race. Now, I certainly hope somebody sues or somebody questions it. But at this point, I imagine the ship's already sailed. I imagine the fix was in already. And it really doesn't matter what we, the people, think. Because apparently, <clears throat> well over, well over 60%, almost 70%, if I remember correctly, we're just thoroughly enthusiastic with the support and love we got out of Lieutenant Dan. And there's just something that rubs me wrong about that. If for no other reason, because I don't believe that out of half a million supporters of the Texit program, only 20% of them showed up and voted for Daniel Miller. I don't believe it. There's nothing you could tell me that would change my mind in that. Now, if you said it was 50% or 70%, and, uh, that'd be believable. But certainly there's got to be other people beyond the Texas supporters that would not be enthusiastic about sending Lieutenant Dan back for another term. I mean, color me cynical, but um, if 2020 didn't teach us a lesson, is 2022 perhaps going to be the uh, reminder. I, I would really like to not cast dispersions. I would like to believe that the Republican primary was a clean primary. But when I see the results, I have to ask myself, is it real? I mean, realistically, do you buy it? So as we pivot on to the congressional race and the results there, and we've seen all the articles that have come out in the last week and how it was a scorned inventor and um, 
a pack out of wherever they were from that put up the Van Betrayda signs. Yeah, I think both of those were effective in drawing attention um, to the dissatisfaction. But I really think the bigger thing was the fact there were four candidates that chose to run against him. That's highly unusual in a Republican primary, in a Republican district, that the generally well thought of um, incumbent would pick up four opponents. So that could mean that while he's not generally well thought of, that could mean that he did one or two things that really upset a lot of people, but the general public eh, just half asleep. It could mean any number of things, but it should be known that at best case, he was running about 51% of all the voters prior to the revelation of his indiscretion being revealed. I still find that hard to believe. Now, the interesting thing is, is there are a good number of, I would call them solid conservative, solid Christian conservatives that would never, ever vote for a candidate that did some of the things that he did. Yeah, but they made an exception for the previous president. Now, I have to ask myself, why might that be? Well, the fact of the matter is, is Collin County, in fact, was a never-Trumper territory. Uh, There was a large faction of people that were rather embarrassed that he was our president. They were disappointed that we got stuck with him as a candidate. And indeed, that did play a large part in the shuffling of when our primary is at so that we could have a larger say in who the next Republican candidate is. But if the results that came out in this primary are an indication of what's going to happen, I'm not really sure that they did us a favor. I mean, every district was redrawn to fortify the incumbents. There was no attempt to gain a few seats or more than a few seats by the Republicans. I mean, we do have a majority. You would think that you would utilize the fact that it was redistricting to be a little more aggressive and pick up a few seats. I mean, after all, there's a long used process across the country called gerrymandering. So you can make sure that you get the best representation. But sadly, they chose not to press their luck. And it's based on fear. Again, politics, strange bedfellows. So in our state legislature, it is well known that the moderates, and to be truthful, the moderates of both parties, right, they work together to have a ruling faction in the House, maybe a little less so in the Senate, but effectively nothing effective comes out of the Texas House. It doesn't matter how good of a candidate we send down if there's another 130 squishes. It doesn't matter how aggressive we get with the um, actions and recruiting of good people to run in the primary if they can't win for various reasons that we can only speculate on because we have no evidence to back it up, right? There's never any evidence. We all just have sour grapes. I, for one, don't believe it. So even when you look at our Congress or the 
<clears throat> legislature down in Austin, our people routinely sell us out. The people that are supposed to be the defenders of liberty, the people that are supposed to care about constitutional rights, they sell us out. And why do they sell us out? So they can get reelected, so that they can grease their palms, so that they can get a little extra something, something to take home to their wife or their mistress. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Um, while we're at the strange bedfellows, let's talk about HD 61 and HD 70. So in both instances, you have what I would call a more establishment moderate in the race, as well as a more conservative opponent and I've chosen to stay out of directly endorsing or even recommending at this point because on April 9th we're going to be hosting a debate for HD61's runoff as well as the constable race and I've got a special thing I'm going to do on that here in just a bit and then HD70 we're trying to work out a location. So boy, if you know somebody that has a location where we can host that, we're going to host a debate for the runoff candidates for HD70 as well as the county clerk. I think it should be very educational and very informative. And uh, if you have any ideas, text me, message me, email me, let me know. We're still on the hunt. I have one last place I need to check with on the east side of Plano that may be available. And this is very, very important. This, uh, this election will dictate who represents the most densely populated area of Collin County for the foreseeable future. And I'd sure like to make sure that all of the voters have a very good opportunity to understand just exactly where their candidate of choice stands. And I'm specifically avoiding making any value judgment or any push because I think an educated voter is the best voter we can have. And, you know, you can listen to my opinions on the matter. You could decide that uh, I know everything and you should just follow my lead. And that would be just peachy keen with me for about five minutes. And then the harsh, cold reality will seep in that you're behaving like a drone. You're a sheep. We don't need any more sheep. That does not help anything. Okay. HD 61, that's coming up. April 9th, big debate. In addition to that, we are going to have the constables for Precinct 1. Now, an interesting thing happened tonight. I'm not entirely sure what all the significance is of that, but for those of you that don't remember, when the Collin County GOP did their forum and they had all four candidates, two of the candidates politely said that the other two candidates weren't even qualified. The other two candidates said, yeah, we're all qualified. We, we can, we're able to do this job. Well, as it should happen... The preferred candidate, the one that got 40-some percent of the vote, was the one that dismissed the other two candidates, as was the other deputy constable. 
Rick Burns, I believe is his name. He dismissed the other two candidates. But now that the primary is over and we have a runoff, and I guess you should call me a little surprised, Chris Trevino made the runoff. So now we're looking at the idea that both Kobe Owens and Rick Burns have endorsed Chris Trevino against Matt. I'm a little surprised. I have my suspicion what might be going on there, but I'm still a little surprised. And I think Matt Carpenter will have an opportunity to explain that or defend himself on that. I'm not sure what is all going on there, but it's really kind of unique. And I say that because I've been watching what's happening with the the county clerk's office. And to my knowledge, the other candidates haven't rushed out to endorse Mike Gould against Lynn Finley. I mean, that would be the natural result, I would have thought. But again, strange bedfellows. And, and I mean, there's there's always the aspect of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And there's, oh, my feelings got hurt or I got disappointed with the other person I was running against or with to run against that person. It's just an odd, it's an interesting situation. Again, these are things that we're going to be bringing up at the HD 61 slash constable debate. I, for one, am very interested and curious as to what's all at play there. I would encourage you to come and join us. All right. So as for the last thought, I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but bear with me. The big question is, is what's next for the elections, right? So we have a runoff. It's in May. And then what's done is done. We'll go to the general. I know that Daniel Miller went live tonight to talk about some of the problems associated with the primary. Now, one of the things that perhaps you're not aware of is the primaries are actually run by the parties themselves. It's not necessarily a state-run situation. So the primary for the Republicans is run by the Republicans Oh, excuse me. The Democrat primary is run by the Democrats. And they get to pick and choose who their people are through the primary process. And they make their own rules. And they get to make their own determination of who votes, how they vote, and what vote, what constitutes a vote, basically. Because it's a primary. There are two private clubs battling it out to see who gets to be the representative that goes to the general election. So interestingly enough, and I was not aware of this, I got to say I I was um, somewhat surprised, but apparently the Republican Party of Texas has and always has had the power versus the or via the Texas election code to close the primaries, to prevent the other party from coming and voting in their party vote. You got to ask yourself, why might that be? What could be going on there? Why is it that we're tolerating and allowing the other team to come in and pick our representatives? What are the uh, detrimental outcomes? I mean, it's not as if there's a large quantity of Republicans going and voting in the Democrat primary. Though one might suggest in Dallas, the city of Dallas, that would be the way to go. 
as a fun fact, that will be held against you if you should ever choose to run as a Republican because you voted in a Democrat primary. But if you live in Dallas County, what's your better option? Might you ought to pick the least bad Democrat, being that the Democrat's going to win whatever office in Dallas County? Something to consider. If you are a Dallas County resident and you have money and means and you have a, I don't know, a rational Democrat running and a crazy Democrat running and you know you're going to get stuck with the Democrat, might it be a smart thing to do to support the rational Democrat? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we, as good conservatives, as good constitutionalists, as good Republicans, you always want a Republican candidate. But if you're in an area where they just can't win... What is your other choice? Again, strange bedfellows, right? You you have to pick the lesser or the lesser of the evils or the least offensive candidate to represent you because you can't pick the best candidate. There isn't a best candidate. Indeed, sadly, even in the primaries, sometimes you don't get the best candidate. Sometimes you don't get the candidate you would most like to support. And you're left with the sobering conclusion that, well, either the elections are rigged or I'm just in a small minority of people that think that my guy's the best. Now, there are some in the area where I live that might actually like hearing that and they might actually um, sell that as the truth, but I just don't believe it. I, I have a hard time believing the outcomes of a lot of these races in a Republican primary. So that leads me to the question, are we not watching who's voting in our primary? Are we allowing our primaries to be manipulated? Or did we just lose that much ground? I don't have the answer, but I am concerned and you should be concerned too. Don't you want to know what's going on? Don't you want to be involved with where we're going from here? It does no good to go to the polls and to vote if your vote isn't being counted. It does no good if you go to the polls to vote and your vote is being negated by somebody that has no business voting on the same team that you're voting. The idea, the idea that we're on the same team, that we're on the same plane of existence, somehow, somehow is just challenging. It's challenging to think that there are people that are advocating turning things back a full century and living like they did in the 1920s in the Soviet Union. And somebody thinks that's a good idea. Somebody thinks that we can build just enough battery-powered cars that we'll all be safe. If we can just give you enough injections in your arm, we'll all be safe. If we could just strip you of that little bit of freedom that you have left that we haven't already trampled over, we'll all be safe. Well, excuse me if I don't believe that. Excuse me if I question what is going on. 
again, strange bedfellows, because I could see very easily that I might have to make alliances with people that I otherwise disagree with on a good number of issues, but they also are aware that our freedom and our liberty is being trampled under the boot of a totalitarian regime. Now, whether it's Biden, this president, or the guy that, or lady that succeeds in following them, the secession plan is, or succession, excuse me, succession, not secession, that's later, the succession plan is not inspiring to me. I mean, we've got creepy sleepy Joe in there, and that's scary enough, but heels up. I'm sorry, she's got no business. No business. How did this even happen? She was the least popular Democrat candidate and she got on the ticket with Sleepy Creepy Joe and then they inspired 80 million people to go leave their bunkers to go vote for them. Do you really believe that? I mean, I hate the fact that I have to go back and rehash this 18 months later, but that's where we're at. It's just inconceivable to me that 81 million people supported that. Now I know, I know, I'm probably going to get that visit. Somebody banging on the door. Maybe they show up in their ninja suits and drag me out half naked and accuse me of all sorts of things that, quite frankly, I have zero interest in. I have zero interest in being violent. I have zero interest in overthrowing the government. (laughs) Perhaps if the, well, we'll just leave that alone. I have zero interest And starting a war, civil or otherwise. I would like to peacefully assert our sovereignty. I'd like to peacefully nullify and have the state of Texas interposition themselves between the abuses of the federal government and we the people. I got to say, I'm losing faith that the state of Texas, a.k.a. the Republic of Texas, has any gumption left to do such a thing, that they have any interest yet in preserving the republic that is supposed to be here. Indeed, I'm beginning to believe that they're on the slow sellout. I'm beginning to believe that they have zero interest in preserving Texas or the United States for that matter, because they've got their ticket punched and they're going to sail off to the sunset as we become a carcass of a country on the within the dustbin of history. Quite frankly, I have zero interest in ending up in the dustbin of history. I have four, far, far, more interest in, well, first surviving things, but two, pushing back. Now, I have often said, I don't go looking for a fight. I I don't want to fight. I have no desire to go looking to cause trouble. However, when you bring it, When you trample liberty, when you restrict freedom, when you rob me blind through taxation, I have no recourse but to push back. 
And that leads people to believe that while I'm pushing back, I'm the one causing trouble, that I'm the one bringing about bad coverage or negative vibes. But that's not it at all. I'm trying to protect what's left. I'm doing my level best to get the word out. I'm trying to excite, not insight, excite, excite those people to stand up on their own two feet, to utilize their spine and push back. Since we don't really have leadership in the lieutenant governor or the governor for that matter, since we really don't have representation in most of the state house and most of the state senate, one can only do one thing, and that's push and advocate for somebody that's going to go do the job. One can only articulate what we stand for, what's important. And sadly, maybe not sadly, but suspiciously, it seems to me that the only option left may very well be secession. And why do I say suspiciously? I think we're getting pushed into a corner. Whether it's on purpose or not, and we're not going to have any other option left. We're going to have to say enough is enough. We're going to take matters into our own hands. We're going to have to utilize that course within human history. And we're going to have to abolish a tyrannical government. And that doesn't sound all that terrible. It doesn't sound all that ominous. But if you're a member or somebody within said tyrannical government, We have now just threatened your livelihood. We have now just threatened to take away your power. We have threatened to make you both obsolete and irrelevant all in one fell swoop. So, of course, you're going to react negatively. You're going to be aggressively pushing back. And I get it. But why aren't you willing to do that for your people? The people that you're supposed to be serving and representing. Why aren't you willing to do that to preserve liberty. Why aren't you willing to do that in support of the great state of Texas, of the Republic? That's the real question. And again, it brings us back to the original question. Isn't this really a situation of strange bedfellows? All those people from different, different, uh, different, um, Factions that go to Austin and they become part of the Uniparty. They're the prime example of what the shortcomings and the problems of not policing our own is. They are the ultimate outcome of people failing to hold our representatives accountable. I tried. I encouraged, I cajoled, pushed as many people as I could to do that. Now there was one thing that I just feel like I have to throw out there. And I mean no disrespect to either party. But the one guy that represents us within Collin County that gets the worst rap. 
I don't. I, I won't say whether or not I personally believe he do, deserves it. I, th- I think he. But a representative that has the, let's say, the lowest score amongst the grassroots, deserved or not, that's the case. He had an unfunded, untrained, and largely unprepared candidate come up against him. And that candidate, in the space of a few months, was able to garner nearly 25% of the vote. One out of four voters in that district were willing to say, we'll take anybody. And and, and again, I mean no disrespect. Because I know what it's like to run. Especially when you're not projected to win, right? In a tough uphill battle. I, I get it. I, I have a small understanding of that. I have nothing but respect. And I will show honor where honor is due. Anybody that gets into a race and runs is deserving of a little respect and a little bit of honor. They've put it on the line. They put it out there. And this one specific individual, against all odds, was able to do that. And while first glance it looks like they were utterly destroyed think about it they had to just double what they were able to do so what would have been possible with i don't know a hundred thousand dollars what would have been possible with i don't know 20 or 30 more people that were super excited what would have been possible if just one or two persons of influence deep pockets would have gotten involved in that race. Just think about that. I mean, in my own home district of 61, we had a three-way race with three guys that spent well north of six figures to win a house seat that pays low five figures. That's an insane amount of money and effort. To represent us. And one would only hope. That they would continue to represent us. And not become a victim. Of being the strange bedfellows. That is Austin. Or worse yet DC. Remember. It's one thing to make an alliance with somebody. To get something done. It's another thing to. Support somebody that you're not entirely on board with. But you've got enough agreement. Or enough issues that you need agree need to be addressed that you can work together it's entirely thing it's entirely different thing excuse me an entirely different thing to support somebody based upon what they tell you and what they're going to do and what they believe and then they go and do something that doesn't follow suit then they they go and let you down they go and basically reveal themselves to not be what they said they were. And that, my friends, is the proper definition of a rhino. That, my friends, are the creatures that we do not want to represent us. I'm not a huge fan of moderates. I think they let us down all the time. I think they're the weakest link, if you will. But I would much rather deal with an honest moderate than a charlatan. I must much rather deal with an honest, moderate, 
than somebody that is just in on the grift, that just wants a little something, something, that is just looking to get their name out there. And I'm not making any accusations. I'm just trying to draw the distinction. Sometimes you have to look at all your options before you make a decision. Sometimes you have to consider the long-term repercussions of a short-sighted decision. Sometimes you got to be really, really careful of just what and who you put your faith in. Because those strange bedfellows, they'll come up and they'll catch you. And when they catch you, (laughs) good luck getting away. Well, my friends, it's late. I'm tired. I will see you on the other side.